Now we're going to talk to another Maura. That's Maura Finn, our regular GP. How are you, Maura? Hi, I'm great. How are you, Sean? Uh, I'm very well, and thank you for joining us now. Just take us through this latest advice that's been given to the GPs about uh, the, the COVID-19 and who should be tested and in what circumstances, please. OK, so the criteria changed again yesterday. And the criteria now are that anybody with a new acute respiratory symptoms that are unexplained, so a new cough, new temperature, new shortness of breath that can't be explained some other way, can be put forward for testing. So up until yesterday, we were really, the testing was very much focused on the at-risk vulnerable groups. Um, so now it's, it's broadening out so that it can obviously pick up more community cases, identify the community prevalence, and then that, of course, is how we're going to manage this um, re- relaxing of restrictions. If we can test and trace in a timely manner, then the restrictions can be relaxed safely. Yes. So, that's, so it's a very good development, really. Now, our intention today is to talk a little bit, or to talk specifically about men's health, not necessarily COVID-related, but is there a link worldwide? We've seen that men have been more likely to need hospitalisation. We don't yet know why, but could this be the way that men approach healthcare and hygiene in general might be a factor here? It, it probably is. We don't know the reasons. There's multiple reasons, biological, social, behavioural. Um, However, and I think probably the most important reason and the reason we can do most about it is the relationship between how men seek medical help. Um, women generally, at, from a very young age, develop a relationship with uh, preventative medicine and their GPs through contraceptive care, pregnancy, children, um, whereas men don't. And, and that, I think, is a problem. So there's a barrier there originally from the fact that they don't, they're not used to presenting to, for health care, maybe not very well educated about preventative health care in general. And one, one of the problems is that men develop things like heart disease at a younger age and then because they don't present and don't get it picked up they develop the complications of that heart disease at a much younger age and that's probably also another reason why um, men don't do as well with COVID-19 as women do because they are more vulnerable because they have more underlying conditions yeah, I don't know if you heard our conversation earlier um, with uh, or in regard to Neil Ferguson. He's the professor there uh, in London who has resigned uh, because oh, yes. of this yes. error of judgment, as he called it. He, he took the wrong course of action. He said, I acted in the belief that I was immune, having tested positive for the coronavirus and completely isolated myself for almost two weeks after developing symptoms. Now, what is the current uh, uh, information and knowledge about people who've, had, who've tested positive and then taken all the precautions? Well, that's, that's actually very foolish of him, really, because um, we don't know about immunity yet. And this is the problem. This is a new virus and we don't know the, um, how it's presenting, really. But, you know, with most viruses, particularly coronaviruses, you develop a short-term immunity after um, the acute infection. But we don't know about long-term community, uh, immunity. We don't have an antibody test yet. We don't have proven... And with the antibody test, it's quite complicated, whether it's a... Uh, a test positive to show recent infection or actually immunity. Um, so we, we don't know yet. And I think it's very foolish of people to actually use that as a way of maybe having a little bit of a cavalier approach to the very strict advice that's still out there and that the vast majority of people are adhering to. Yes, you mentioned um, heart disease in men a little bit earlier, uh, Mauro. Now, what about cancer? Obviously, prostate is a male issue, but are mm. men in general slower to acknowledge lumps and bumps and other cancer-related signs? I think so. I think, there, I think there's an, an element of maybe bravado, embarrassment. It's hard to say. Probably it's more, uh, it could actually also be our problem in that we don't educate men well enough. For instance, tes- testicular cancer is... Um, 
the most common cause of cancer death in young men. And it really does mean that they have to examine themselves. Now, we talk about women examining their breasts all the time, but we should ex- also educate men to watch out for signs of sexually transmitted diseases, but also to examine their testicles to make sure there's no new lump, new pain, anything unusual. Don't just sit on it and wait about it. Go and see your doctor and have it examined. And hopefully it's something innocent and benign, but we should always um, check it out. And, and this is the problem at the moment, too, is because we're not in the position right now to um, do the more kind of commonplace examinations. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has something new, a new lump, a new pain, blood from their back passage or somewhere else, uh, or chest pain, they have to come and talk to us about it because that's how we, that's, that's, that's how medicine works. That's how we hopefully save lives. Yeah, um, what's your sense about men are at the moment during this COVID uh, emergency? Do you think they're even more reluctant than usual to come forward if there's something they should be having checked out? Um, it's, that's hard to judge, actually. I think um, maybe men are at, at home and maybe are having an opportunity to think about these things and maybe they're being exposed in a, uh, to public health information in a way they weren't before. So maybe they are becoming more educated. But that goes back to, again, that's our, our problem. That's a public health problem. We need to educate men. We need to encourage them to come and talk to us if there is an issue. Particularly, you know, one of the other major things, like we know men die younger. And um, one of the things that is mental health is an issue across the genders, but men are more likely to die from suicide. So, again, that's about, like, men accessing um, care, their social networks, their networks, their support structures, and we need to help them with that. Yes, and oftentimes I suppose it's more associated with younger men than older. But I, I was wondering what your own take was, Maura, on the whole question of cocooning, to use that awful word that nobody yeah. appears to like. And a text that came in, us 70-year-olds must make up our own minds. I have been walking for 30 minutes most days, now I'm doing 2K. I meet my fantastic neighbours who are all younger. When the government said uh, not to go out, it wasn't literally. Uh, again, there's a balance there which people in many cases feel the government has got wrong? Yeah, I don't believe they've gotten it wrong. I think the government has taken very strict medical advice, but obviously um, it it possibly has been very, very difficult for a lot of people. Social networks, um, talking, um, how you interact with other people is probably an essential part of our social beings of people. And not to be allowed to do that is very difficult and actually will have repercussions from a mental health point of view. Um, exercise as well, fresh air, day, daylight hours and exercise helps our sleep patterns and helps us um, not develop chronic illnesses. So some of the advice, it has been, it has been limited to the, to the COVID-19 crisis. It isn't good advice from a public health point of view on a general basis. So we have to find that balance. Yeah, but like on the cocooning, a, t- a listener saying, um, like Charlie Bird, I too couldn't believe that people 70 and over were asked not to talk to other people while out exercising. Uh, you know, it's mind boggling, the person says, how anybody could come up with that. Uh, yeah, and I, that that seems a little odd, but I mean, I think what it is, the advice is based on trying to keep people as safe as possible and knowing that most often with advice, we push it a little bit, you know. So if you're told that you can talk, but you have to be six metres apart, you're probably going to do the four metres and possibly the two metres. So I think the advice has to be more rigid than um, we're likely to take it. And mm. that's to protect ourselves from our own uh, yeah. behaviour. A couple of the texts that are queries for you, Maura. Um, My husband has been on blood thinners since having surgery on a clogged artery a couple of years ago. How does this affect his risk of COVID-19? 
it, it, it actually may be a good thing because there has been, a, with people who are developing COVID-19, there has been increased risk of um, an incidence of serious coapalopathy, which is when the blood clots more. Um, so being on blood thinners may actually help that. E- either way, it's really important he stays on them. It's really important that I presume they're the thinners that don't need to be um, having blood tests. If they are warfarin, which needs a kind of a... a, a twice mm-hmm. weekly or possibly monthly blood test. It's very important he attends for that. But if it's the other type of blood thinners, he should be quite well protected and that's good. Uh, and another one here on this. Um, I have high blood pressure. Am I at a higher risk of dying from the coronavirus if I get it? Unfortunately, yes. If you have high blood pressure uh, in itself, and this is where back to men's health, men develop high blood pressure and um, cardiovascular issues 10 to 15 years younger than men. Blood pressure in itself isn't going to be, uh, isn't going to kill you, but the complications of high blood pressure do very much put you at risk. The complications of high blood pressure lead to heart attack and stroke, but also you are one of the vulnerable groups when it comes to if you did, unfortunately, develop COVID-19. So it's really important you manage your blood pressure. It's important that you take your medication. And if you're concerned in any way, contact your GP. We may talk you through something or we may actually see you and see that everything is okay. And we've seen evidence as well that people who are overweight or obese are at higher risk. Does that affect men more and how how much more would their risk be increased by? Um, Obesity affects both genders, but it does seem that men, older men tend to have more complications with obesity than women, Um, especially the complications of diabetes, heart disease, um, poor exercise, peripheral vascular disease as well. So... um, so, you know, so that goes down to, again, not identifying issues early enough. You know, if you prevent, if you can identify an issue like excess weight gain or poor diet at a younger age, you can do something about it before it causes the complications that are likely to kill you. And finally, uh, you know the way, it, particularly in the early stages of this crisis, uh, once the case has started to come through, people tending to stay away uh, from uh, emergency departments and indeed perhaps from surgeries like your own, Maura, with other issues. Has that started to uh, lose? out a bit since? Oh, I think so. Now, I think people are still very reluctant to attend uh, A&E, which is understandable, but we're really busy. We're busy on the phone. We're not seeing an awful yeah. lot of patients in ho- in-house, but that's be- we, we actually ask people who we think we need to see to come in specifically. But it's very busy. With, there's an awful lot of health queries. Um, we're dealing with them, hopefully, as best we can. It's not perfect, but actually... It's, it's working quite well, and I would really advise people, if they have, like that list I gave you earlier about a new lump, a yes. new swelling, a new pain, anything like that, please don't ignore it because okay. we need to check these things out. Maura, thank you so much indeed. Maura Finn there, our regular GP. In news headlines, the Minister for Education, Joe McHugh, is meeting student, parent, teacher and school representatives to discuss plans for this year's Leaving Cert. And the Irish Hairdressers Federation says people are offering to pay up to four times the normal price for a haircut at home and they're calling now for the reopening of salons ahead of the scheduled date of the 20th of July. That's our lot for today. Thank you for listening to the programme produced by Alistair McConnell, research here on Don on Sound, Mark McGrath, producers working from home, Regina Henley and Cora Ennis over now to Ronan.